Welcome to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I am your confidence connoisseur, here to help you break diet dependence, end body shame, and learn to love being you inside and out. Join me as we demystify current health and wellness trends, understand what health really means, and find freedom from living life the way you think it should be. With that, let's go to the show. So I just wanted to follow up yesterday's podcast with another one because I've had some insights that came from sharing my story with you. If you haven't listened to episode 12 yet, go back and listen to episode 12, and then come and listen to episode 13, because you will have missed a lot and will be very confused as to what we're talking about. So in episode 12, I shared the full story with you, and I talked about my mom's battle with cancer and her passing which was really hard to talk about. I was listening to the podcast myself, and it doesn't sound like it was hard, but I think that oftentimes I feel the need to be strong for people when I tell the story because it's a moving story. It's an emotional one, and I want to take care of you. (laughs) And so by projecting a strong voice, I am trying to take care of you. So... I just feel like there needs to be that disclaimer right now, and not every podcast is going to be emotionally charged and have tears and crying and all the feels. Sometimes it's going to be just information. Sometimes it's going to be experience. Sometimes it's going to be thoughts. That's what this platform is about, right? It's about coming together and having these conversations that sometimes are really uncomfortable and sometimes they're amazing. And they just, it's like you have that aha moment of like, I had no idea and now I know and now I'm changed. And while I wish that every podcast episode could be that way, I know that that would also be exhausting. So it's good that we have a mix. But what I want to kind of revisit in that podcast episode with you is what the doctor said about my mom's death and illness being preventable. This is something that struck me really deeply and was the cause of my health journey, actually. It all started with that. So a quick recap of episode 12, is that my mom was diagnosed with stage 4 uterine and ovarian cancer, and she lost that battle with it in 2004 when she was 44 years old. And the surgeon told us that her condition was preventable and that she had waited too long, and that's why it had gotten as bad as it was. And when I first heard that it was preventable, what I heard at the ripe young age of 19, was that I needed to figure out how to be healthy. And so I started wrestling with that. I started looking at ingredients on the labels of packages. I started reading 
Clean Eating magazine, I started researching what it meant to be healthy. And that led into exercise and that led into food logging and food journaling and weighing myself and trying to make sure that I was being healthy. Because friends, if you have never seen somebody die of cancer, it is potentially one of the scariest, most horrific things you will ever see. You can never unsee it. You can never remove yourself from the feelings that you feel as you watch somebody pass away. And I remember my mom looking at me one day and saying, you do not ever want to get this. You don't want to die this way. She's like, you need to go and get your pap smears. Go see your gynecologist regularly. Make sure you take care of yourself and your body. And I took that to the extreme because that's my personality (laughs) is very extreme. Like you tell me to go, I run. And so I did. I chased health for all it was worth. I researched and I studied and I learned so much, which in a lot of ways was great because it made me a very effective personal trainer and I was very good at helping women understand their bodies and understand how to get their bodies to change because I had studied it relentlessly. And when it came to nutrition, I found that that was the holy grail of health. I was like, this is it. This is the the way to do it. If you can master your nutrition, then you'll be healthy. And so, oh, friends, it was a good five years of diets and trying to figure out the healthiest diet. And I tried to eat foods that I thought were healthy, like, don't judge me, but (laughs) fiber one bars because fiber was good for you. I would eat oatmeal and whole grain oats and I would eat Greek yogurt because that was healthy. And these foods ripped my stomach to shreds. I used to have the worst gas, bloating, belching, farting, tummy pains. Like Tim, my husband, used to have to give me tummy rubs every single night because I was trying to eat these foods that I thought were healthy, but they didn't work for my body, right? They didn't work for me, and I didn't know that. It took me years to figure out, huh, those foods don't work for my body. I'm not going to eat those foods. What foods do work for my body? And it was a process of experimentation. And it just, it led into some really scary places for me. I used to write down everything that I ate. Everything. And this was probably 11 or 12 years ago. But I had food journals, just journals listing all the foods and how much I ate and what time I ate at. And my goal every day was to eat as little as possible. I mean, most days I tried to stay under a thousand calories and I would work out, I would run and it was all in the name of trying to be healthy because this is what healthy people did. Healthy people didn't eat sugar. Healthy people worked out. Healthy people exercised and lifted weights. And this is what healthy people did. But unfortunately, that is the further thing from the truth is that 
that didn't equal health. And it took me years to come to the conclusion that 90% of health is mental. So much of it is how you think about health. How you think about food, how you think about movement and exercise, how you think about self-care, these are markers of success with health. Not how little you can eat or how many calories you can burn on a treadmill. That is not health. So needless to say, I got pretty stinking skinny and hit kind of a rock bottom where I was like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate logging my calories. I hate having to avoid a bunch of foods. I hate having to work out twice a day. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to. And that launched me into a whole new, (laughs) whole new land of discovery as I started to really look at why was I doing these things? Why did I think this was healthy? And it led to being in a therapist's office and saying, I don't know why I can't stop counting calories. And my therapist at the time was amazing and had me look at the shoulds. The shoulds. And the shoulds are the limiting beliefs in our heads that tell us how we can and cannot live. So for me, I used to be a sugarholic, is what I call it, because I couldn't have just one cookie. I would have to have 12. I couldn't just have one or two bites of ice cream. I would have to have the entire pint. I used to buy ice cream that was the lowest in calories so that I could eat the whole thing. Even if I was stuffed, I would still eat the whole container. The idea of putting sugar back, like having leftovers of cookies or leftover of cake, was a foreign concept to me. I didn't understand that. Why would you only eat one cookie when you could have 12? Why would you bake cupcakes if you weren't going to eat them all? Why would you buy a can of frosting if you weren't going to eat it all? And I really struggled. And that came from those years of deprivation, those years of thinking sugar's bad. I've got to break my sugar dependence. I've got to, got to, got to. I have to do this. I shouldn't eat 12 cookies. I should eat broccoli. I should work out. I should get good sleep. All these things that I should be doing. And shooting myself almost to death. And my therapist had me record all the shoulds for a week. I spent seven days writing down any time the word should popped up in my brain, I wrote it down. And I came in a week later with 10 pages of shoulds. And it was the most incredibly eye-opening experience. Because the shoulds didn't stop at food. No, no. The shoulds went into my spiritual life. The shoulds went into my hopes. They bled their way into my dreams. Things that I wanted for myself. Things I thought I should want. So what we did is we took those shoulds and we flipped them around. And what, looking at what I did want for my life and what I did hope for and what I didn't really want. So then he had me do this 
crazy experience because he was a big experiential learner. (laughs) And he had me go out and buy the largest t-shirt that I could find because one of my shoulds is that I shouldn't be fat like my mom. And that was a big one for me because what that signified to me is that if I was overweight like my mother was, I was going to get sick like my mom did. I was going to end up like her, hating her body, hiding it in baggy clothes, and I didn't want that. And so I bought this huge green t-shirt and he said to write on it all of my biggest shoulds. So like my top 20 shoulds that kept repeating themselves. And I wrote on it, I should want to pray. I should serve. I should eat healthy. I shouldn't do this. I should do that. And on and on and on it went. And it didn't just stop there. No, no. I wish it did. But it didn't just stop there. So then I had to wear that shirt to a dinner party that I hosted. I had six of my dearest friends come over for dinner. And when they showed up, I was wearing a giant shirt that had all these words written on it. And their job during the dinner party was to read my shirt and ask me questions. And you guys, it was one of the most life-changing moments when you share sacred space with people and you let them into your secret struggles and your story, amazing things will happen. It was so healing for me to be validated, for, for my friends to say, well, why do you think you should pray? Why do you feel like you have to? Why do you feel like you can't have 12 cookies? All of these struggles that I had written out on my body for people to look at and to see me. I couldn't hide. I had to sit and be seen. And it was so hard in the moment, yet it was so incredibly freeing and Eight or nine, I don't remember if it was eight or nine years later, I am so thankful for that experience because I feel so much freer. I feel seen, I feel known, and I feel understood. And in that moment of people being like, oh yeah, me too, I want to eat 12 cookies too, and me feeling like, oh, I'm not alone? What? I thought that this was only me. I felt so isolated and alone in my struggle, and I wasn't. And only by letting people in to my story and my struggles was I allowed to receive that connection, to allow myself to experience vulnerability in a whole new way that absolutely changed my life. It changed my life. And suddenly, it was like, crystal clear what needed to happen, that this message of getting freedom from the shoulds and having an idea of what healthy looks like for you as an individual and to stop hiding and to be seen and show up powerfully in your life 
That was the whole thing. And so it's been a process the last 10 years of bringing all these experiences, everything I've learned and studied and looked at and analyzed and bringing it to a place where I can actually not only do for myself, but help do for others, which is amazing and makes me cry because that is the legacy that my mother left behind was of helping other people. And I feel like I've been gifted because I can take that one step further and I can apply it to myself and to others. So I'm not only honoring her legacy, but I'm creating a new one where it's not just others focused, but it it includes me too. And part of me feels so incredibly selfish for saying that. Oh man, it takes so much vulnerability for me to say that I want to love me too. I want me to change and grow as well. I never want to stop. I always want to learn and assimilate and progress and move forward and expand and become more enlightened and more in tune. And I don't feel like I ever could hear my mom say that. I know she wouldn't have said that. I know that she was so hurt in her life and wounded by divorce, wounded by actions of a father, wounded by her husband, that she carried so many wounds that never got healed. And so it was almost impossible for her to get to the place that I got to As far as saying, no, it's important to me that I take care of myself. It's important to me that I love who I am. It's important to me that I show up in my life, not just for me, but for my son, for my husband, for my friends, for my clients, for my community. This is important. And I am so thankful for you. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast right now, because that means that this this work that I've done, the story my mom lived, that it's not in vain. And that there are people out there who are going to hear this and they're going to say, I want to stop hiding. I want to be me bravely. I want to show up in my life. I don't know how, but I want it. And I'm going to learn how to do it. I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to join the community of people who are connecting and sharing stories and allowing themselves to be vulnerable. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. The thing that I've learned the most is YOLO. (laughs) You only live once. And friends, I know from experience how short and sweet life is. That it can be gone like that. You don't know how much time you have. None of us do. And so isn't it worth learning how to show up each day? To show up with intention, with bravery, with confidence and learn, knowing that we're never going to be perfect. 
we're never going to arrive, but to actually learn to enjoy the process and to find joy in the process and to focus on not even hashtag positivity, but to focus on intentionality, being intentional with our thoughts and our time and our actions and our words. And that, that is what Captivatingly Confident is all about. It is about honoring ourselves as women and being captivatingly confident, showing up powerfully. Because what would happen, and this is what gets me right here, what would happen in our world if the women of this world were to rise up and were to say, I don't want to hide anymore. I am done hiding I am done with my self-loathing. I'm done with my shame. I'm done with my guilt. I'm done with my trauma. I am done. I want to start showing up in my life. I want to start connecting with other women so that we can help each other and encourage one another. A rising tide lifts all ships. What if we as women were lifting each other up? I don't know about you, but I have crazy goosebumps just thinking about the possibilities of what this idea could do, what it could mean for our world if women were to embrace and to be themselves bravely. And to be captivatingly confident in their lives. And that doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean that you've got it all figured out. It means the opposite. It means that you're in process. That you're learning. That you're growing. That you're seeking out opportunities to connect. Because we don't grow in isolation. We grow in community. And that's what this last weekend especially has proven to me, something that I believe with my heart, but it just experientially showed me how much growth is possible in a community rather than isolation. So that is what I wanted to talk about today is to throw out this challenge for you that if you are ready to stop hiding, hiding behind the scale, hiding behind baggy clothes, hiding behind anxiety, hiding behind fear, and to step out of that and experience what it means to be confident, then as always, I invite you to join the Captivatingly Confident community. KimLudeman.com is the Facebook group. Join our Facebook group. Introduce yourself. Allow yourself to be seen because we want to see you. Friend, we want to know you. We want to walk with you. We want to celebrate you in all of your hot mess, all of your gloriousness. We we want to walk with you. So join us over at the Facebook group. If you search in Facebook, Captivatingly Confident, you'll find it. There's a couple of questions to get into the group. It's amazing. I love it. It's my pride and joy is this group of women. I love each and every one of them so much they don't even know. And give. I want to, to give that love to you too. I do. All right, friends. 
This was another really heavy podcast. I promise (laughs) to bring the fun and the laughter for the next one. I promise we are going to talk about ways to set yourself up for success when it comes to nutrition. So based some some really simple hacks and tips and tricks that you can do so that you make the most out of the first part of your day when it comes to food and looking at macronutrients and how to structure those so that that way you're staying more satiated throughout the day, less cravings, more energy. We're going to talk about that next time. So go forth and be you bravely.